You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the Fansided Network. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Moment segment coming up later in the episode. Happy Thursday, everybody. There's actually quite a bit to talk about today. There was a, a smattering of news, um, small items, but a lot of things happened on Wednesday. So I want to talk about several of those things, many Wolves related. Um, NBA Finals Game 2 is also this evening, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. And a little bit more big picture about uh, a couple of Timberwolves things. There was an Anthony Edwards interview from, or I should say an article written about Anthony Edwards that included some anonymous Timberwolves quotes from a couple weeks ago at Bleacher Report that I completely missed. And I want to talk through a few of those items. I, I think it's interesting. And then also, uh, we'll close the show by talking a little bit about five-man lineups that the Timberwolves had this year that were successful. I wrote about that at Dunkin' with Wolves, and there's a couple of notable takeaways from that. So that'll be the show today. Uh, a reminder, as always, if you don't already follow or subscribe to this podcast, please do. You can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts. That, of course, includes Apple, as well as Google, Spotify, and the all-new Odyssey app. That's Odyssey, spelled A-U-D-A-C-Y. You can also follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnTWolves and at BBeacon. That's two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. All right. Um, let's talk first about the, the I guess, the biggest news, uh, Timberwolves-wise. Anthony Edwards, of course, is playing along with Nas Reed with the U.S. select team in Las Vegas. They are practicing and scrimmaging against Team USA. Um, Anthony Edwards, first there was a video that came out late on Wednesday afternoon of Edwards limping to the team bus using a much shorter coach trainer or somebody to help support him. Didn't have crutches or anything, but had an obvious limp. And so there was moments of panic for everybody. But obviously, if it's a serious, a truly serious injury, he's they're not letting him limp to the bus. And then it came out shortly later, I think first Darren Wolfson of Score North and KSDP, then nationally Brian Windhorst at ESPN, confirmed by John Krasinski at The Athletic that Edwards has a sprained ankle, um, not serious, not severe. He's not going to play, of course, for the rest of the camp, which is a few more days, which makes sense. He shouldn't. Um, but you know, as long as this isn't the start of some sort of recurring issue, and and obviously he's got lot. I mean, he's got a month if if he was to play in Las Vegas Summer League, which I don't think he will. But if he was going to, he'd have a month until that, five weeks or so until that. Um, so you know, it, it's a sprained ankle. Even after it was announced that that's what it was, Timberwolves Twitter, there was still some panic over we can't have nice things. That whole situation. Um, everybody sprains their ankle. It happens. It it shouldn't be a, a chronic issue. And, uh, you know, not what you want to see, but hey, uh, not the end of the world either. So that that happened. And uh, I get a windhorse reported, by the way, not this matters, but that Edwards stepped on Draymond Green's foot. And that's how the injury happened. Uh, there's really no other news on how those scrimmages are going. Um, otherwise, I'd been hoping that maybe there'd be some some sort of streaming or, or some way to watch them. But I haven't come across that yet. If anyone has, let me know. Uh, but that camp continues as Team USA prepares for the Tokyo Olympics. The other Timberwolves-related news, I guess it's not really Timberwolves-related, related to a couple of players on the Timberwolves roster, is the is Jamal, Crawf Jamal Crawford, the former Timberwolf, his um, 
his pro-am that he does in Seattle. Um, let's see, it's called the crossover, which I don't remember him calling this before. He does it every year and, and maybe I'm, I'm just forgetting this, but it's crossover C-R-A-W-S-O-V-E-R. Um, I guess he has always called it that somehow I missed that. I've always thought of it just as the Seattle pro-am, but, uh, it's clever. I like what he did, uh, crossover. Um, there are two current Timberwolves participating. Of course, the two that are from the Seattle area, both Washington Huskies, Jaden McDaniels and Jalen Noel. Uh, the rosters are a ton of fun. I mean, other current former NBA players that stood out to me on the rosters and Jamal Crawford tweeted a graphic out with these. Obviously Crawford himself is on the same team as Kevin Porter Jr. and Matisse uh, Tybel. And I mean, they've got to be the favorites, but there's also a team with Isaiah Thomas. Jade McDaniels is on a team with his brother, Jalen McDaniels, uh, Malachi Flynn, Jalen Noel are on the same team. Um, other notable names, Dante Murray, Marquise Chris is participating. Uh, those are the biggest names that stood out to me in terms of recent NBA players. Um, try not to read too much into this. The, the panicky Timberwolves follower in me wants to, but Jade McDaniels is playing on the, on the team that's called the Sonics, uh, of course, with the recent, uh, acquisition or, or near acquisition of the Timberwolves franchise and the rumors, you know, there's, there's people that will turn that into something and maybe it's me, maybe I just did that. But, um, anyway, Jalen Noel's not playing on the Sonics. He's playing on a team called Washington's finest. So we'll see, uh, what kind of highlights come out of that, how Jalen and Jaden do, but great to see, you know, a couple of Timberwolves participate. In, uh, in, a, in a really big event that happens every year. And, um, you know, good on Jamal Crawford for continuing to do this. It takes place at, at Seattle Pacific University, and they are allowing a limited crowd for it, but um, that's upcoming here soon. Also fun on Twitter, George Carl, yes, the George Carl, commented on the tweet and said, strong rosters, who's coaching the Sonics? Uh, so uh, George, is, George is interested in coaching Jaden and Jalen McDaniel, apparently. Um, anyway, those are the kind of the biggest Timberwolves related news and notes that are out there. Uh, what I want to do next is I want to dig in a little bit on the uh, this Anthony Edwards article with comments from an anonymous Timberwolves source and then also the five-band lineup thing. Before we get to all that, though, let's talk about this week's Michelob Ultra moment. And the moment this week has to be Chris Paul. It has to be Chris Paul after playing in the league for a million seasons, 13 years, I think. He's, he's in his first conference finals, or excuse me, his first finals. Believe it or not, this is only his second conference finals in his entire career. And it basically, he's made the playoffs, I think, every season but one. And he's always been a first or second round exit, except for 2018 in Houston. And then the next year, he was a second round exit in Houston. Last year, he was a first round exit in, with Oklahoma City. And now this year, getting to the finals for the first time in his career and dropping 37 points in his, or excuse me, 32 points in his first game, 32 and nine in his first finals game and shooting four of seven from three, 12 and 19 from the floor overall, 63%. And just having a monster game in his first finals. And you could see the joy, the happiness, the enjoyment on Chris Paul's face. Good on CP3 for making it in, uh, in his 13th season, his what age, uh, 35 season with a team that last year was below 500, did not make the playoffs in the bubble, a team that has had a well below five. They were the worst team in the conference just two years ago. And Chris Paul, Chris Paul and the Suns are a perfect match. The joy, the happiness, the enjoyment was all in CP3's face after that 32 and nine in game one of the finals, his first finals ever. As Michelob Ultra would remind you, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Joy creates success. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. Chris Paul and his first 
NBA Finals game action is this week's Michelob Ultra moment. All right, so on Bleacher Report, there was an article a few weeks ago, June 16th, so I guess more like three weeks ago, uh, entitled, Who Has the Brighter NBA Future, Anthony Edwards or Rookie of the Year, LaMelo Ball? This is written by Greg Swartz, one of their national guys who writes a lot of the trade speculation pieces. I somehow missed this, and I don't know if it's because it just felt like the type of article that, I mean, are we really comparing LaMelo Ball and Anthony Edwards? They're two different players. They're both fantastic. Ball was better in a vacuum. Edwards improved more this year. I've had this conversation on the show quite a bit. And of course, they're always going to be linked together because of their draft position and and the fact that Edwards was the, um, you know, there was this movement for him to win rookie of the year when I I said all, I shouldn't say all along, but my conclusion was the mellow ball was right to win the award. But this article wasn't simply that debate. It included some interesting quotes and uh, I, I stumbled across it the other day. And there is a, a Timberwolves source is what it's called here. And then this article was linked in another article um, on Bleacher Report. And it's and it says it's a Timberwolves coach. This is this. So the whatever, whoever the source is, is actually a Timberwolves coach. Now, we don't know if it's a coach that's still with the team or one that's not. We don't have any other information, but it's interesting because this is the only place I've seen these quotes and they're fairly candid. So I want to kind of run through what the quotes are and, and provide any commentary as necessary. And, and there's nothing really groundbreaking, just interesting. And there's one particular scenario that played out in a Timberwolves practice that I want to discuss. So uh, when the, the article talks about draft prep first, the Timberwolves draft prep. So this this quote here, uh, I'm reading directly again. This is the article by Greg Swartz on Bleacher Report from, from mid-June. This uh, quote is, we would break out into groups where there would be a team James Wiseman, Team Obi Toppin, Team Ant, Team Lamelo, and we all took sections, the Timberwolves source told Bleacher Report. We all put it into a big presentation. You could watch the Ant tape and say, he's the guy. Then you'd watch Lamelo's presentation and say, uh, he's the guy. Um, end quote. Interesting, right? Uh, not surprising. I think we'd heard that that's basically what they did is they assigned coaches and front office staff to each kind of basically pitch the guy that they thought they should draft. But... Uh, fascinating that they even went as deep as saying that Toppin and Wiseman were legit. And we'd heard the rumors that Wiseman was a legit option. Um, but interesting that this guy is saying this. And then the article goes on, it, it compares the two, the, another quote from this Timberwolves source. And he appears to be the only like sourced uh, person in this article. There's nobody from the Charlotte side. Um, another quote from him, he says, going back to my reports before the draft, because we obviously did a lot of intel on LaMelo my report said that LaMelo, LaMelo is the best player right now. Ant has the potential at the end to be the best player. LaMelo sees the game and knows the game already at the stage he's at. That's Ant's weakness right now, which is sometimes the hardest part to find. Ant's like a kid that doesn't that doesn't know what he doesn't know. All you have to do is tell him, and he's like, oh, yeah, I can do that. I don't think there's anything that he can't do, end quote. This is almost identical to what I've been saying all along, is that LaMelo Ball, all the things that LaMelo Ball is best at, Anthony Edwards can't do yet. But all the things that Anthony Edwards can do, which is basically everything else, are things that you can't necessarily teach. It's that talent and athletic ability, largely things that LaMelo Ball does not possess. And Ant was even a better, he grew into a better three-point shooter as the year went on than I think anyone expected. Um, he became a pretty solid both catch-and-shoot and pull-up three-point shooter late in the season when he really struggled early in the season. 
So these quotes make a ton of sense. When you're drafting number one, you don't take the guy who you think is best right now. You take the guy who you are most confident will be the best over the course of their career and and more, I guess, more accurately, their rookie contract and first extension. And yes, there's there's a, a switch that kind of needs to flip, but it's not it's not quite that. It's it's the comment where he says, "Oh yeah, I can do that." Like basically, he's completely willing and coachable and able to do those things. You just got to tell him. And so it's it's a matter of learning the playmaking side of it, learning shot selection, and those are things that he's he's very quickly made progress on. Um, another there, I guess there is some quotes in here from uh, a Charlotte radio host in in uh, or a radio host in Charlotte, I should say, who didn't want the the Hornets to take Lamelo Ball. Uh, and then as you go through the article. Um, there's one other intriguing scenario that was laid out by this Timberwolves source. This is a shoot around post draft pre NBA season last winter in Minneapolis. D'Angelo Russell's with Jade McDaniels and Anthony Edwards, the two rookies in the gym at the practice facility, having to shoot around and D'Lo would, was just kind of draining jumpers in Anthony Edwards face. Jade McDaniels kind of didn't say anything, looked kind of scared. Whereas Anthony Edwards was coming right back at him and saying, you know, screw you D'Lo or F you D'Lo match that type of a thing. Um, and then, and then, uh, well, and then the quote from the, the Timberwolves coaches, I don't see that from any rookies, that personality ant was loud and that got him going. That's who he is. That's how he was all season. He'd do it with Carl Anthony Towns. It wouldn't matter if it was Michael Jordan in there. He'd be the exact same person. It's not personal. He's just competitive End quote. And we saw that that's the mentality we saw from Anthony Edwards and his media availability, right? Just kind of like, okay, yeah. Um, I just put it all out there. And sometimes it's, it's, it's a naivety thing. And other times it's, it's just his personality. He just doesn't care. And, and that's really important. Um, it's very different from the mentality that Towns has and not, and, and not suggesting that Towns mentality is wrong, but I think it's good to have two stars that have different mentalities. Uh, Towns is much more measured in what he says in the media. He's much more com- contemplative before he does or says anything. Edwards is just what you see is what you get, and he's going to let it let it all hang out there. And sometimes, most of the time, it's good. Sometimes it can be bad. Same with Towns' approach. Uh, you know, I, I think it's totally fine. And then there was one other time, th- and this is this is the most fascinating thing I want to spend a minute on. It says late in the season when the team was running drills, one of Edwards' teammates was working on his corner three pointers despite being someone who doesn't typically take them. Edwards let him know it. That ain't your game. Don't do that. The rookie yelled, catching the surprise of surrounding veterans. The teammate was shocked. He said, what, excuse me, I can't take the shot. He asked, baffled, hey, it's nothing personal. That just ain't your game. Don't do that, Edwards calmly replied. The coach went on to say, you don't see that from a rookie. He didn't make a scene, but the guy was like, oh man, this rookie just put me in my place. Who was that? Um, basically, everybody on the Timberwolves shoots corner threes. So that, that to me was the most confusing thing about this whole thing. Not that, that, not that Ant said that or did that. But who was that shooting quarter threes that it isn't their game? Um, you know, the first name that popped to my mind was Ricky Rubio because he's not a good three-point shooter, but he takes corner threes and he needs to take corner threes in the flow of the offense. And he was top five on the team in, in terms of three-point corner uh, attempt rate. I mean, the only name that makes any sense to me, I mean, Towns doesn't shoot many, but obviously he makes them or can make them and is a great three-point shooter. The only name that popped into my mind that makes any sense would be Jared Vanderbilt because he he doesn't shoot threes at all. Uh, I mean, Josh Okoge isn't good at them, but he needs to practice them because almost half of his three-point attempts were from the corner and almost half of his shot attempts were threes. Um, I mean, who else would that be? Jarrett Culver, maybe? I, I, you know, But he's a perimeter guy that's got to practice threes. Um, 
Nas Reed shoots three, like, like who else on the roster would that be? So, and it's not Ed Davis. I don't think he's talking to Ed Davis like that. So my bet is this Jared Vanderbilt and, and maybe, maybe like a, uh, a Jarrett Culver, but you know, good on Ant for, for calling out what he sees as something that's, that's how you turn into a leader. But as the coach went on to say, he puts his arm around him the next play, they're, they're buddies, you know, it's not personal. And as long as he can walk that line, even with the way that he is, the way that he just kind of puts it all out there, it's the guys that can do that and still walk the line in a, in a sense. And, and I'm not at all suggesting that their personalities are the same, but that type of quality, it reminds me of a Chris Paul where and he's obviously got the uh, the clout now in his career and has for many, many years, a decade probably, to be able to do that and, and not just get away with it, but to be seen as a solid mentor by call, by doing that, by calling people out and then putting their arm around him and being like, hey, here's what I see. Here's what we should do. Here's what you should do next. Here's how you can correct it, et cetera. I mean, Edwards is going to be 20 years old this season. He doesn't have that type of pull, obviously. He's not a Hall of Famer yet. He's not an all-star yet. But- if he's able to to verbalize that, to to show, you know, to walk the walk on the court and not just talk the talk, then that's the right approach, right? To not be passive aggressive with it, to not look the other way. If he wants to grow into a leader, that's the type of that's the type of attitude that the Timberwolves need to see out of him. So um, that was fascinating for a number of reasons. The 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 bit about the shoot around and the practice, those were interesting. And then also the the other behind the scenes quotes were fantastic. Um, so if you haven't read that article, go do that. It's from June 18th. Again, Greg Swartz at Bleacher Report. And the article is about comparing LaMelo Ball and and uh, Anthony Edwards. But there's a lot more to it. It's a, it's a fun piece. Um, and, you know, it, it gets you excited again for for what Anthony Edwards could turn into and what he already is um, and what the what this season could look like for him and for the Timberwolves. Um, so go check that piece out. Okay. Next, I want to get into five band lineups. Just talk briefly about some of the common threads between the Timberwolves uh, five band lineups from this past season. Before we do all that, though, let's talk about our friends over at rockauto.com. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person at the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry? You have a computer with access to rockauto.com both at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and their prices are reliably low for every single customer. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution for your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Be sure to write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. All right, I, I spent some time early this offseason talking two- and three-man lineups for the Timberwolves, I think even some four-man, just kind of looking for some common threads between combinations, but I didn't spend much time on five-man lineups. And I wrote about this over at Dunkin' with Wolves on Wednesday, but the Wolves only had five five-man lineups that played together for more than 60 minutes, which is admittedly a relatively arbitrary number, but it's a decent enough sample size, right? Um, that means that of all these lineups, they appeared together in at least you know, a handful of games together, total of at least 60 minutes. There's only five of those lineups that ended up with a positive net rating this season. And that, first of all, surprised me a little bit, which I guess maybe it shouldn't have because the Timberwolves weren't a good team. 
but it still surprised me. So I wanted to talk about a couple of common threads. Number one, the most obvious thing is, is which players were in each lineup, of course. Carl Anthony Towns was in four of the five lineups that had a positive net rating. So is Anthony Edwards and so is Ricky Rubio. D'Angelo Russell was in three. I don't believe anybody else was in more than two of the lineups, but there are some common themes still. Um, and uh, actually, Jared Vanderbilt was in was in three as well, which was interesting to me. Um, so, And Jared, Jade McDaniels was only in two. So Vanderbilt appeared in more of them than in McDaniels, which I don't know that there's anything to read into there, except for that he's a really good defender and rebounder, which are two things that the Wolves roster struggled with in general this year. Um, so here are the common themes. Uh, well, well, first, actually, the, the best group in terms of net rating was Ricky Rubio, D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, Jared Vanderbilt, and Carl Anthony Towns. They had a net rating of 29.3 in just 63 minutes together. The second best unit was Russell Edwards, Akogi, Jaden McDaniels, and Towns. That was a plus 12.1 in 71 minutes. Then you have Rubio, Malik Beasley, Anthony Edwards, Vanderbilt, and Towns together that had a 10.5, but played a lot more minutes, 111 minutes together. There's a random unit that ranked fourth that had Russell, Jordan McLaughlin, Juancho Hernan Gomez, Jared Vanderbilt, and Nas Reed that put up a 9.5 in only 65 minutes. And then the only other positive five-man unit that played at least 60 minutes together is the one that played the most minutes. And that was Rubio, Edwards, Okogi, McDaniels, and Towns, a group that was a starting lineup for a while when Russell was out. They played 172 minutes together and had a positive uh, a plus three net rating. So what are the common themes here outside of Towns being in four of them and, and their other best players being in three of the five? Well, put Put simply, and this is how I said it in the article, the top three units all have three offense first players and two players whose biggest strengths are on the defensive end of the floor. Um, for instance, in the first and third best units in terms of net rating, Rubio and Vanderbilt are the primary defensive anchors. In the second unit listed, it's Josh Akogi and Jane McDaniels. Um, the, the, the true outlier, of course, is number four. The Russell McLaughlin, Hernan Gomez, Vanderbilt, Reed lineup is very strange. There's two point guards, it's the only lineup that didn't have Rubio and didn't, or excuse me, the only lineup that didn't have Towns and one of just two that didn't have Rubio or Edwards, but it had the second best defensive rating of all these units, despite having D'Lo and Wacha on the floor together. My biggest takeaway here is the formula, and this isn't like, this isn't weird. This isn't like a groundbreaking takeaway, but just kind of looking at the most obvious thing here is that of those top three lineups, you're looking at three offense first players that are that are generally speaking have bad defensive reputations in in Russell Towns and uh and Edwards. And then you're looking at two strong defenders. And that's the recipe, right? Uh that's what the Wolves are going to have to do. They're always going to play. I mean, think about it. Russell Beasley, Towns and Edwards are arguably their four best players are are their four best players. And they're all below average defensively, except for, I mean, Towns was was really right around the average mark, I think, generally speaking, this year defensively. And I think he he has the upside, certainly, to be above average defensively. And Edwards has that upside, too, but I think he's probably a couple years away from that. So if your four best players are all offense first and poor to average at best defensively, and, and in the case of Beasley and Russell and Edwards, actually, actively bad, like really bad defensively. You need other, you need guys that can play defense. So one of the easiest ways the Wolves can improve this year is by making sure that they've always got a couple of strong defenders on the floor. And Akogi took a, a, a mini step backwards this year defensively, in my opinion. Jaden McDaniels was good, but he certainly can get better. But 
one way the Wolves could improve is by finding at least one more above average defender who can be part of that rotation of guys. Um, you know, Jared Vanderbilt's a solid defender, but he's not quite to the level of McDaniels or a Kogi, mostly because of a lack of switchability or maybe not a lack of it. Well, yeah, I mean, not quite as he's not quite as good as those guys at being switchable defensively, being positionally flexible. So could the Wolves find what, you know, Jarrett Culver can't be penciled into the rotation at this point. Can they find maybe one other above average defender to add to that mix? And then secondly, and I, I wrote this in the article, don't forget that moving from actively bad to mediocre or just slightly below average, that's essentially the same jump, making up the same amount of ground as an average defender becoming a great defender, right? If one of the three of Russell Beasley and Towns, or, or really Russell Beasley and Edwards, could make the leap from terrible to okay defensively, that's going to make a world of difference for this team. Because all three of those guys are rotating through in your guard and wing positions. Towns call it already. He's he's pre- pretty average. Nas Reed was better last year after he lost a bunch of weight. He's a little bit more active. You've got Vanderbilt. You've got McDaniels that can guard down low, that can play the four and, and switch on to fives. I think they'll be okay in the front court. But can the back court slash wings can they find somebody who can just make that miniature, it's not a miniature jump, it is It is a jump from actively bad, terrible, horrendous, whatever you want to call it defensively, to okay, right? I mean, Beasley made small strides last year. Russell at times looked better, especially post-knee surgery. Towards the end of the year, he was, it looked more uh, mobile defensively and that he was putting forth more effort defensively. And if that's the case, this team could be a lot better. That's all they really need um, in terms of improving the current roster. The biggest thing is that a couple of these guys could just improve a little bit defensively. Um, and that's the most that's the most obvious common thread among these lineups. Uh, but it's a fascinating exercise. In fact, there's only three other lineups, uh, that the three five-man lineups, I should say, that played at least 60 minutes together. They all had a negative net rating and none of them were terrible. They were all barely net or barely negative, I should say. Um, and the only, you know, it's all the same guys. Jake Lehman is in one of them. That's the only real difference. But just looking at these combinations and seeing how these players work well together, and you, you better believe that's what the coaching staff and front office is doing this offseason. They're digging into who played best with who and all that stuff, as they should. Um, and we'll see how much this roster gets tweaked moving forward. Is Josh Akogi and Jade McDaniels, are they going to be the best defenders on this team come October? Or are they going to, is Gerson Rosas going to go out of his way to find maybe a proven veteran type wing defender, perimeter defender that they can add. Um, you know, Ricky Rubio falls in that category as, as at this point in his career, he's probably more, I mean, he was better as the year went on once he got into good shape. He's still an above average defender at point guard, but he's not a lockdown switchable defender like a, like a McDaniels could be like an Akogi has been at times. They need another guy who can be in the category of lockdown and switchable. Uh, and, and who's that going to be? Are they going to find somebody that's an undrafted free agent that they're going to hope can add some depth there? Are they going to look for a rookie or excuse me, a veteran in, you know, on a vet minimum type contract? Are they going to make a move, try and swap out a Jarrett Culver for somebody that has more experience and can at least hold their own offensively? That to me would be the best move. And I'm sure that's what they'd love to do is trade Culver in a second rounder and pick up a veteran, match those salaries, pick up a veteran who can maybe be a three and D type, or at least not be, um, a black hole offensively like Jarrett Culver can be at times, um, but then provide above average defense. That's probably the the preferred move. Um, but to me, that's one of the quickest ways to improve this roster and be a legitimate above 500 team uh, come next season. 
Okay, that's all I have for you today here at Lockdown Wolves. Of course, I'll be back on Friday, the last show of the week. Um, we're still Monday through Friday right now through the NBA draft and the start of free agency. So be sure that you're, if you're not already following or subscribed to the podcast, please do. You can do that anywhere you listen to podcasts. Again, that includes Apple as well as Spotify, uh, Google, Stitcher, and of course, the all-new Odyssey app. That's Odyssey spelled A-U-D-A-C-Y. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T-Wolves and my account at B-Beacon. That's two B's, two E's. C-K-E-N. A reminder that Lockdown Wolves is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is all your local experts on all the biggest stories. Today's episode was brought to us by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Enjoy NBA Finals Game 2 this evening. Of course, all of our finals and playoffs coverage is brought to us by Michelob Ultra as well. So enjoy Game 2 as the Suns try and uh, extend their 1-0 lead over the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, That's all I have for you today. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you on Friday. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.